0: Well, good, morning. good morning hope everybody's doing all right everybody doing good yeah well tonight starts our summer spectacular which is uh, very exciting and uh, a lot of people have put in a lot of time to get to this point and we appreciate you serving the lord in that manner and of course a lot of people have uh volunteered to help us during the week so i think there's 72 ish um, volunteers that are helping us out. And the last I checked, there was 96 kids registered, so that's, that's pretty good, and we'll see what happens this evening. So uh, thank you for all of that. Um, I do also want to say keep praying for this week. I know that you have been, but keep praying for this week because really, um, we, do, we do the work, right? But if God isn't a part of it, we're just wasting our time. So just pray that he'll continue to to guide us and and tell us what to do and that he'll kind of keep any attack out of 1835 Farmington Road for the next four nights, which would be awesome. Um, I do think that uh, we were sort of attacked with a lightning strike last Sunday. Uh, We've been chasing stuff and trying to fix stuff. I think we're up to about... I don't know, it's between $1,600 and $1,800 worth of damage, and we're still kind of finding stuff that's been fried by the lightning strike. But nonetheless, um, it's coming together. So, you know, we had had that to do on top of preparing for the four days, you know. But God wasn't caught off guard by that, right? So he wasn't caught off guard by that. And he was like, Philip, you're wasting time. Here's something else to do. That's what he was, <laughs> was doing. Um, Oh, there it is. There, for a moment, I had a little heart. Where's my Bible? This morning, I would like to start by reading Psalm chapter 96. This wasn't a part of the original message until actually last night. Um, So I just wanted to start reading. I'm not going to make many comments about it. In fact, probably none at all. Uh, But just wanted to read Psalm 96 as we start um, the second part of this series on stars. So Psalm 96, and this is what it says. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, and tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, for he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, and strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord uh, families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name, bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness and tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established and it shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I, I was told by Disney that I could wish upon a star and receive whatever I wish for, right? It would be the first star in the evening that you could wish on, and whatever wish, wish I may, wish I might, you'll have the wish you wish tonight, right? Right? So you wish upon. Um, you know, a little cricket uh, in Disney said, um, what do you say? He said, when you wish upon a star, make no difference who you are. Everything your heart desires will come to you. If your heart is in your dreams, no request is to its stream when you wish upon a star. And then I forgot the last line. Your dreams come true. Your dreams come true, right? So when I was a kid, I was like, okay, gotta wait for this first star because there's some things that I want. Right? I believed in God, but I also believed in paganism, obviously. <laughs> right? So, so the star came up, stuff, stuff was, I just wanted this stuff. And so I looked at the star and I, I began to wish upon the star. And what I noticed was the star at night when it came out, the brightest star wasn't always there, right? Sometimes it was there, sometimes it wasn't there. And it seemed to not be there when I needed it the most. So instead of seeing the bright star, the bright evening star come out at night, all these other stars came and I was like... Oh, it, I needed the first one. Maybe I blinked and missed the first one, but nonetheless, I missed the first one. I, I will, my need will not be met now because, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, after a little while, I realized, you know, after teaching that that was really a pagan thing to do. And, um, and so to wish upon a star was, was not really the thing to do. So, with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. It's amazing sometimes what we put our faith in, isn't it? It's amazing. And a lot of people live the Christian life, honestly, well, of course, I'm not supposed to say that. (laughs) They live the Christian life with God plus something else. It's God plus this. It's God plus this. And that's the way they live out their life. But that's not really the way that a believer is supposed to live out. God is efficient enough to uh, handle anything that comes your way and give you what you need. So Hebrews chapter 11 is a recap of a promise that was made to Abraham years, many years earlier. And the promise was that Abraham... And his descendants would be as many as the stars that are in the heavens, okay? And so when we get to Hebrews 11, in part, that promise has been fulfilled. And so the writer of Hebrews says this in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. were born descendants as many as the stars in heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So it's great, you know, for us to have Hebrews chapter 11 and us to be like, hey, God kept his promise, right? God kept his promise to Abraham and we feel good about that. But sometimes I think we need to take a moment to consider what was happening in Abraham's life when that promise was actually made. So Abraham, Jesus came to Abraham and told him, Hey, look up at the stars. Abraham was like, Yeah, that's, that's beautiful creation. So, what I'm gonna do for you, Abraham, is I'm gonna make you a nation, and your descendants will be as many as those stars. So you're gonna have children. And Abraham was like, Great, we're gonna have children. Sarah, great, we're gonna have children. Sarah had been barren for very a long time. Like she she couldn't have a kid. Abraham did not have a kid through Sarah. For many years. She was barren. She had no children. And so Sarah, who had probably been praying for a child, and if you've ever gone through that struggle, you know that she was praying for a child because she really wanted one, was praying and praying and praying. And all of a sudden, Abraham gets this message from God that not only are you going to have one child, but you're going to have descendants that is as many as the stars. Sarah was like, all right, great. Let's do this. Well, One day passed into two weeks, and two weeks passed into one month, and one month passed into six months, nine months, 12 months, a couple of years, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, still no child. And Abraham, who had received this promise, and Sarah, who had received this promise, how is this going to be fulfilled? Sarah was beyond the age of childbearing. At some point in this process, she couldn't have a child. So she didn't even believe that she could even get pregnant. But there was this promise. And then God came back to them and made the same promise. And she laughs. She laughs because scientifically, there was no way that she could have a kid. She was past those years. She had had heat flashes. Do you know what I'm saying? Cold flashes. You know, all the stuff that goes into it that you ladies have, and that's another reason. Praise the Lord, I'm a man. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I'm a man. Don't have to do that. But she had all these things, and she knew she was past the age. She knew her body was not producing anything that could do a kid, and so she was laughing at this. And so, you know, God says, no, you're going you're gonna to have a child. And so Abraham and Sarah, they're like, okay, well, God made a promise, and that's the vision. We're going to have a child, and it's going to turn into a great nation, and many as the stars. So, Maybe we need to do something about it. <clears throat> and so Sarah says, well, why don't you go into my maiden Hagar? Maybe that's the reason that, maybe that's the way that God is going to fulfill his promise. So Abraham was like, okay, it sounds logical to me. It's a part of the practices of our culture. And so I will go into the hay, I'll go into Hagar, handmaiden, Hagar, and we'll, we'll have a child. And lo and behold, she got pregnant. She had Ishmael. So when Ishmael was born, Abraham was like, well, this is how the promise is going to, going to be fulfilled. It's going to be fulfilled through Ishmael. And God came back and he visited them and he said, no, it's not going to be Ishmael. I promised that I would give you and Sarah a child and I'm going to fulfill that promise. And here's where I need to stop for just a moment. There's some of us sitting in this room that have been given promises by God. We have been told what he has called us to do. And some of us in the room have been reading the Bible and we read the promises of God and we have applied those appropriately to our life. And we're waiting for those promises to be fulfilled in our life. And it's an array of different promises. I don't have time to like run through them all and kind of, you know, get yours. But nonetheless, you have some belief in God that he's supposed to do something in your life. And you've held on to the scriptures tightly and you're wanting that to happen and what happens sometimes is that we are given promises of God and they don't they aren't fulfilled in the time frame that we would like them to be fulfilled. And so we start thinking, well maybe we should take matters into our own hands then. Maybe that's what God wants us to do. Instead of doing what we're doing right now, maybe we should take steps toward that dream, toward that promise, toward that calling that he has he has given us. And so we start making those steps. And what we do in that moment is we start to lead God rather than follow God. Let me explain. Following God is if God's right here, I'm behind him, and whatever he's doing, and I ask for wisdom for God to show me whatever he's doing. And he wants me to be a part of. Whatever he's doing, I'm following him. And so he makes a step, I make a step. And for me, in my life, sometimes it's God is just sitting here, and he's not making any steps, so I just keep doing what he's given me to do up until that point, point. and sometimes he goes light years ahead of me, and I'm like, wait, you know, have you ever had that moment, like you're trying to catch up with what he's doing because it's so much, and you're trying to just keep up with it all? Well, that's been my experience, but I've also had the experience where God isn't moving. He's given me a vision, and I was like, okay, so I need to do something about it. And so I begin to take steps to fulfill the promise or the vision that God has given me and I start working on it, start crafting it myself. And I'm like, come on, God. Pulling him with me. We have all done this at some level. And we're pulling God with us. And God will not be moved. We're pulling on him. We're trying to get him there. We're creating all of this. And and he's like, no, no, that's that's not my promise. My promise is over here. And you're making a promise right here. This isn't the promise of the stars. This is the promise of the stars. And that's precisely what Abraham was doing. He went into Hagar and had a son that wasn't a part of the promise. Not trying to be mean to old Ishmael, but he wasn't the promised one. There was another one. So later, when Sarah does not have the physical capacity to have a child, she has one. Because at the end of the day, we serve a God that created the science of the female body. Come on. And he placed Isaac in her womb, and she had Isaac, and that was the son of of the promise. It's at that point that Abraham learned the lesson, I can't get in front of God. I've got to follow him as he accomplishes the promises he has made to me. See, it's not up to you and me to accomplish the promises that God has for us in this life. He does it. I have a promise that one day I'll be in heaven. There's nothing I can do to accomplish that promise. I have a promise that he will be with me no matter what happens to me in my life. There's nothing I could do to get God to come, come with me. He's just decided to be there. There's several promises he has made and he is the only fulfillment of the promise and I'm just supposed to do whatever he's led me to do in that particular moment. Does this make sense? He leads me, I work. He leads me, I work. And that's what you and I need to do as well. Um, I have made, um, Nicole's not here, right? Nicole's not here, so I can say it this way. In the first service, I said, I've made a, a couple mistakes in my life, but I can tell you because she's not here, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, right? I just don't want her to know that I know I've made a lot of mistakes. I just want her to know that, you know, right men, we don't, we don't want her yeah, okay. Made a couple mistakes in my life. One mistake that I've made, I made in my life was right out of seminary, I took a church and became a pastor because I was called to be a pastor. And I had looked for churches that sent resumes out. Nobody contacted me except for this one church in Kentucky. And as soon as they contacted me, I was like, this is it. Um, I prayed about it very little. In fact, when I prayed about it, I was very thankful. Thank you, God, for putting this in front of me. I know this is where you want me to go. No, I did not really know that. And so what I did was I took a church in Kentucky and stayed there for five years, and I was out of the will of God. In fact, when I took that church, that church was five years old. I was the fourth pastor in five years. My first goal and vision and dream was to have tenure, and I had it in nine months. Yeah, that was an achievement, right? Stayed there five years. I was out of God's will in that particular moment in my life. I took my wife with me. She was out of God's will in Kentucky. I got ahead of God and said, you called me to be a pastor. This must be it. I stepped into the position and I tried my best to drag him. I didn't realize I was doing this because I was, I was stinking excited. I had a church. I was excited that I was able to preach. I was excited that we were doing ministry in, in that particular area. And here's the lesson. You can be excited and be out of the will of God. And before too long, God reveals to you that you wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. I didn't get that revelation till after I left Kentucky and came back to God's state, North Carolina. Yes, North Carolina, a place that has Krispy Kreme donuts started here, Cheerwine started here, Pepsi started here. And I don't care what Ohio says, we were the first in flight. I mean, it is the place where God has blessed it, right? As God is blessed. So we need to be careful, ladies and gentlemen, that when God gives us a vision or a promise, that we don't go over here and start creating the promise with our own human effort. That we wait on God to do what he says he's going to do, and we just agree to be a part of whatever that is. It's just a lot better. So you fast forward a little bit to my experience, and this is the church. That God had for me all along. That is why I'm here. And that's why I'm staying here. Because this is the church that God had for me all along. This is where I was supposed to be. This was part of his plan. Did I learn lessons in my, in my little trying to lead God and being out of his will? Absolutely. I learned lessons. God was very gracious to me while I was out of his will. But he pulled me back into his will and I followed him here. And it's great. It's great. It's great. So when God says this is it, you follow him, and you don't try to make things happen, okay? So that's that. Now, let's talk about Venus, okay? That was a switch. How is that part of what? Well, good. I'm glad you're thinking that. Venus, let's talk about Venus. A couple of things about Venus that you may already know. Venus is the second planet in our solar system. Everybody knows that. Right? Zenith, Venus. I did this in the first service too. Venus. Yeah. Venus, second planet in our solar system. Venus is the only planet in our solar system that uh, spins clockwise. The rest of the planets spin counterclockwise. Did you know that? Yeah. Also, Venus is the hottest planet in our solar system. A lot of people think it's Mercury, but it's really Venus. So it's the hottest planet in our solar system. Um, It takes, and just to make sure I get this right, yep, it makes uh, 243 earth years for it to rotate on its axis one time. 243 earth years. For Venus to go around the sun is 224 earth days. I said that wrong. Let me correct that. I did this right in the first service. I don't know what happened just then. Okay, it takes 243 Earth days for Venus to rotate one time. That sounds better, doesn't it? Yeah, not years, days, okay? Yeah, that's more reasonable, and that's actually right. Here's the next one. It takes 224 Earth days for it to rotate around the sun. So its rotation is slower than its ability to go around the sun. Isn't that fascinating? I think it's absolutely fascinating. Um some scientists say that um it was hit by something and flipped upside down and that's why it rotates clockwise. I submit to you this morning it was created to rotate clockwise, is what happened. Nothing hit it for for that to happen. That would have been a pretty big hit, wouldn't it? Did a planet, you hit it and you know what I'm saying? That, it just takes more faith for me to believe that, that God just put it that way. It, it just takes a lot more faith. And I guess you could say I have little faith, but at least it's in something that is real. All right, so, so anyway, you have Venus. So Venus, the ancients, used to say that Venus was the morning star and the evening star. In fact, they thought that they were two different uh, things in the sky. They thought the evening star was one thing. It was around a certain amount of time. And then the morning star was another thing that was a a certain amount of time. Also, the ancients thought that Venus and Jupiter and Saturn, because they could see those, and Mars was actually what they called wandering stars because they didn't have the concept of planets. One of the reasons they didn't have the concept of planets was because they thought the world was flat. The world is not flat. So they thought everything out there was just moving and so they had fixed stars and they had these wandering stars like we're not really sure what this is but we had fixed stars and wandering stars and that led into the wandering stars becoming gods so they thought a god would show up in the morning to lead us into the day and a god would show up at night to lead us into the darkness is, is what they thought and they worship both of those those gods so when i would wish upon a star i was really being pagan right? So the morning star, the evening star, and we know that it is actually Venus. So I say all that to say a couple of things. I would like you to turn to Revelation chapter 22. Okay? Revelation chapter 22. The second thing I would like to say is as you turn there, because Revelation chapter 22 is written by a guy, by a guy named John, the apostle John. He, was written, he wrote it, okay? He wrote it on the island of Patmos because he was a prisoner, and that's where they put prisoner prisoners. You couldn't get off the island. You couldn't swim off the island. You just stayed on the island. So there's, there's John on the island of Patmos. And so he's writing this, and what's happening is he is out in nature, And at night, he sees all the stars. And during the day, of course, he sees the sun and he sees the morning star go on. And so, in this passage of scripture, in verse 16, it says these words I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. I'm the bright and morning star. So in John's culture, they believe that Venus, or the star that they called, that Venus actually led people from the darkness into the light. That was a belief that they had. So Jesus is saying here, I am the bright and morning star. I am the one that is leading the world out of darkness into light. Come on. I am the one that's doing that. I am the bright and morning star. It's not some God that you've named, Venus. It happens to be a female. Nothing wrong with it, but I'm just saying it, it doesn't, it's not that goddess. It's me. I am the bright and morning star. And I, when I show up, I'm, a new day is on the horizon, and I'm leading you toward that new day. That is what I'm doing. I am the bright and morning star. And so... Of course, this has to do with the end times and Jesus coming back and Jesus setting up his kingdom and him leading us into a new day. That's what this has to do with. And so... The question comes up, when are you coming, Jesus? When, when are you going to be here? Because I would like the morning started. Go ahead and show up and let's get it on. Let's, let's get into that new day. Let's get into eternity. Let's get into where everything's perfect. And so when are you coming, Lord? And so Jesus answers that question in, in Revelation 22. He says this, behold, I am coming soon. That particular word in Greek, coming soon, means I am coming quickly. I feel like that Jesus is like my children sometimes. They're going to do this quickly, but they're really doing it slowly. Come on, that was good, parents. Parents, are you with me? You you ask your kid to do something, oh, I'll do that really quick. And it's just slow, like, I'm going to clean up my room, and it's going to be into the next day before I get it done. You know, it's just kind of slow, you know, type stuff. You ever get that feeling with your children? You ever get that feeling you ask them to do something, and it's just not done? Yeah, it's just kind of slow. You may work with people like that, where they say they're going to do something, and it's just so slow. And you're like, are you doing it quickly? I'm doing it as fast as I can. Well, could you do it quicker? Well, when I read this particular verse, behold, I'm coming soon, I'm like, come on, Lord. You you could do this a little bit quicker. Do this a little quicker. What is quick to you? It's very slow to me. You said this 2,000 years ago, and you're still not back. And the difference is when you talk about someone that's eternal, everything that he's doing is very quick. Everything that he's doing is quick. So he says he is coming soon. He is the bright and morning star. He is the person that leads this world out of darkness into light. And here's the point no matter what you're going through and no matter how dark it is right now, a believer always has a sunrise on the horizon. We always do. It might not, you know, Jesus is coming back and that is our sunrise. You might see no way out of your darkness. You might not see any way to get into the light. You may not see any way that it could get better and it might not get better, but here's what we know. For every believer, there is a sunrise on the horizon, and if you have Jesus, he is charting the way to that sunrise. So even if my health is failing and even if I'm dying, my bright and morning star is taking me to a horizon, to a place that is perfect and awesome where I will live in perfection for eternity. And that's pretty amazing. That's a pretty amazing thing. We always have a sunrise on our horizon. Now, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, says this. And so we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place Until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. So what we know is that Jesus is the morning star that arises in our hearts. That's what we know. But before that, it says, pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. The dark place is any dark time that you are going through. And you don't understand why you are going through that dark time. Have you ever had those moments? Have you ever had those moments where it's just a dark time? It might be with your children. It might be with you personally. It might be with something at work. It might I don't know what it would be. But nonetheless, it's a dark place. You are in a dark place. And Jesus is saying, or Peter is saying, pay attention as to a lamp shining to the prophetic word. So he's telling you that even though the star morning star hasn't arisen in your heart and you don't understand why you're going through what you're going through, hold on to the lamp that is shining. And the lamp is the word of God. Behold, my word is a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. So in your dark place, the thing to do is to hold on to that lamp and hold on to it with faith hold on to what the word of God says, live like the word of God says, even though it doesn't make sense because everything around you is darkness and it just doesn't seem to be making a difference. Hold on to it anyway until the morning star arises in your hearts. See, what happens is that every hard time that you go through, God has a purpose for. There's a promise, right? The promise is all things work out together for good, For those who love the Lord Jesus Christ, right? It it works out for good. Man, that's a promise. I'm going to hold on to the lamp. I don't know how in the world this is going to work out for my good. Have you ever been in a moment like that? Like, this is horrible. I don't know how I'm going to survive this, much less this come to my good. But God says, hold on to the lamp. The promise is your dark time is not random. It didn't just happen. It's not more powerful than you are. None of that. This hard time is to help you get somewhere else. So hold on to the lamp and you hold on to the lamp until God reveals to you why you went through that particular hard time. That is the morning star arising in your heart. See, Jesus in the future, morning star to eternity, but right now, Jesus lives inside of me, I hold on the lamp, and until he reveals to me why I went through that, I just hold on to my lamp and just trust him he's working it out for my good. For instance, when I've gone through dark times, such as being out of God's will or whatever, dark times, held on to the lamp, just wondered why in the world it happened. I realized it was my fault. Okay, it's my fault. He let me do this. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but on this side of it, Jesus has arisen in my heart and there's lessons that I learned from that experience that makes me better. And I would never have been here at this position if it hadn't have been for that dark time. Yeah. yeah. So when something happens and you're instantly broken hearted and you're just shocked at it, you can't believe it's happening to you. You've, you've invested, you've done everything right. You hold on to the lamp In the darkness, as you get through the darkness, and eventually Jesus will show you why. And he's either going to show you why now or later. That's what he's going to do. And this is what I know from this position. God has only showed me a little bit of the reason I went through the dark times. In eternity, I will fully know why I went through that particular time of suffering. Yeah, So in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. So hang on to the lamp. I think some of you need to hang on to the lamp. You're about to let go. You're about to let go of your faith. You need to hold on to the word of God. Hold on to it. Keep following him. There's a day coming where you'll understand why you're going through what you're going through. Um, <clears throat> in 2022, I don't know if you know this or not, but we discovered a new star that is 28 billion light years away. Now, just to make sure everybody knows, I was asked this question after the service. A light year is not equal to a mile, okay? So you're going to have to Google and figure out the math to how many miles that would actually be. It's pretty extensive, so it's not 28 billion miles. It's much further, okay? So. We discovered a star through the Hubble telescope that was 28 billion miles away. Up until that point in time, the furthest star that we knew about was 12.3 billion miles. I'm saying miles. It is not miles. 12.3 billion light years away. I apologize. I made two gaffes in this particular service. There you go. Yeah. I'm holding on to my lamp. Okay. Yeah. Holding on to my lamp. Yep. All right, so 12.3 billion miles. So we've found something that's even further away. Now, some scientists would say that 28 billion years ago, that star existed, and it might not exist now because the light is still traveling through space. That's That's what some scientists would still say. I would tell you that God created the universe with age. Okay? So when he created that star, he created the light... And the time frame in that star, already with that age. So the star happened in 28 billion years of light was already shining. That's how he created it. Now, you might say, well, Philip, I'm not so sure about that. I, I, don't, I don't know if he created it. Well, he created Adam and Eve with age. They were full adults when he created them, right? I mean, they weren't babies, you know, needing milk, crying, Wah! you know, who would pick them up? Nobody. <clears throat> Nobody would pick them up. Who changed their diaper? Nobody. Nobody at all. No, they were fully aged. And so all the creation is fully aged. Have no problem with that. But 28 billion years. So currently, it's shining. All these stars are shining, and they're making it to earth, and they impact us in a very positive way. We, we see God's creation. We glorify his name. in a very positive way. Here's a verse from Philippians chapter um, 2. Verse 15, it says this, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, okay? So that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. This particular word in the Greek for lights is actually stars. So, it is that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as stars in the world. Now, it is one thing to have a star come to us and we can see it, That is 28 billion light years away. It is another thing entirely for you and I to shine in this life while we are here. And that shining as stars actually projects and impacts eternity. So your faithfulness to hold on to the lamp, this is what I'm saying, your faithfulness to hold on to the lamp, to hold on to the word of God, to live like you're supposed to has a positive impact in eternity and it keeps on shining in eternity So every faithful act that you have for God, where you shine for him, is a moment where that light will go out and continue to shine for billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions upon billions, upon zillions, upon quadrillions, because it's eternity. It will shine forever. Sometimes we feel like we're shining here on earth and it's just not making a difference. You ever felt that way? We're living right, and it's just not making a difference. We're shining, and things are not changing for the better. We're shining. Well, listen, keep shining. Because you don't know the impact that you're having for Jesus in your being faithful to him that is going to shine into eternity that he one day is going to say, You know, when you were being faithful right here, this is how I used that in ways that you didn't even know. And that's going to be an amazing thing. Absolutely amazing. So keep keep shining. You may be older now. You're thinking, man, I'm just all, you know, what could I do? I don't have the health to do things anymore. Keep shining. God is still using you. You may be young. And thinking, I'm too young to shine. I'm too young to do this. No, you shine where you are because when you shine for Jesus, it lasts into eternity. You may have kids. You may be married. You may be between the ages of 20 and 60 or 70 or whatever. You keep shining where you are because when you're faithful to hold the lamp for Jesus, he honors that into eternity. And we'll find out there the impact that we had as we shined as stars for him. So, that's it. That's the message today. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the stage you've given us. There may be people in this room that are wondering if uh, the promises you made in your word are really gonna be fulfilled. There may be people in this, in this room that you've called them to do something, given them a vision for something, and um, they just haven't seen that happen pray that in this moment that with the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll help them. That you'll comfort their hearts. That in their, uh, they're being anxious about it. Because they want things to turn around immediately, but it's just not turning around immediately. I pray, Father, you'll comfort their hearts and you'll just give them the strength they need to just follow you step by step and not get in front of you. That they will not cause things to happen, but react to the things that you are doing that you'll give them the wisdom to do that. I pray for the people in the room that are going through a tough time. I pray, Father, that you help them hold on to their lamp. I do ask that um, sooner than later that you would shine in their hearts as the morning star and let them know a little bit about the reason why they've gone through what they've gone through in this life. That Maybe in this moment, you could tell them a couple of things that's happened or this week. You could tell them a couple of things that's happened as a result of what they've gone through. But besides all that, Father, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll help, help them hold on to the lamp. Help them hold on to the word of God that's the lamp unto our feet. And then, Father, we are looking forward to the day where you lead us into eternity. And even if it's while we're still here and our health fails and then we pass on, we are so looking forward to death that you orchestrate as you take our hand and take us into a new day, a day of perfection, a day of awesomeness, a day where we just worship you with all our hearts and our minds. But for now, now, Give us the strength that we need to hold on. Father, we want to shine for you. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, show us the things that we are going after that are things that we're not really shining for you while doing. That we will let those go. And help us to understand the stuff that is things that we need to do to shine for you and help us focus on them. Because at the end of the day, that is what really matters as we live in this world. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for this moment. We thank you that you are our God. And In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. I'm here to pray for you if you need that.